Hello, hello. Today I'm with Heather, one of my favorite therapists of all times from California and from Mexico we're mixing, and we're meeting today. Thank you. It's so fun to be here with you. Hello, Heather. Thank you so much for being with me one more time. When today we're going to talk about a subject that is very bothering really a lot of people, which is boundaries that you don't particularly like and saying no. So let's start with boundaries. Uh -huh. Many people suffering because they said that they cannot set up boundaries and people constantly crossing the boundaries. What do you think about this? So um, being able to say no to someone is really important to good relationships. So if you can't read your own feelings and communicate what you don't like to someone, that is kind of like not having any boundary. And it's very hard to have a good relationship if you can't communicate what you don't like to someone. And you can't be authentic and say, for example, say no to a request if you don't want to make it. Um, I think what we were talking about earlier before the recording was, I think the word boundaries... Um, it's not my favorite word because I think what we're aiming for is something more nuanced than a boundary. Okay. A boundary sort of sounds like a wall. And I think what effectively lets us be effective in relationships is when we're in tune with our own feelings. Like we can tell when we're angry or upset or something's not going to be right with us. And then we have a way of communicating that to the other person in a way that lets them... Um, feel okay about it or well that's not quite right let's them realize that we're not mm, saying no to them as a person we're just saying no to something about the situation whereas a boundary can sort of seem harsh and then we might be reluctant to actually communicate because we think it it's sort of all or nothing it has to be harsh or we have to say yes to everything does that make sense it does make sense because also many people complain that setting up boundaries makes them feel that we're being very unpleasant. But in the same time, isn't it true that in some situations we do have and we do need some walls which we would not like to be crossed? And isn't it true that in some situations we don't have to be always to be in relationship with someone that close that we do want to have this wall very clearly that Please do not cross it. Yeah, that's right. I think it would be easier maybe if we can think of a specific situation, we can get to the nuance level. Like, what's an example where... For me, for example. Yes. Yeah. So, um, let's, um, for example, I'm very sensitive on people not commenting and not giving me any unsolicited advice about my motherhood. And for me, it's like a no thing. Uh -huh. Whoever is crossing this boundary, so like, no, uh -huh. like, we're not going to discuss that. Great. And is there like a person who's done that to you? Like, can we make it specific? Like, is there a time that that happened? That someone started giving you unsolicited advice about your mothering? Uh, Heather, I have hundred thousand eight hundred eight thousand followers. So I constantly get this kind of comments so it's like i can get comments oh you look tired or maybe you should lose weight that's fine it's not crossing my boundaries i'm okay with that but it's <laughs> saying how are you dressing up your child why he's eating ice cream for breakfast and that is crossing my boundary right so when you say it's crossing your boundary i think i would ask how does it make you feel if someone says why are you dressing up your child that way what what feeling comes up for you anger anger yeah so the the one you could sort of say like, hey, you've crossed my boundary. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's okay. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. Um, another option might be to say, you know, I noticed that I feel kind of angry when you make comments about my parenting. And I care about us having a good relationship. And so I want to let you know that's something I don't like. And when, when, I, when I hear you making comments like that, it makes me want to pull away. And I, I feel less interested in being close to you or having a relationship with you. I, and I think now what you just uh, said is the difference, uh, not in our definition what boundary is, but how do we set it up? Because you as generally much more loving person than I am, a much more gentle person, you like to make everything very smooth and very kind and very bubbly. 
And when I'm angry, I was like, no, I don't appreciate any unsolicited comments, so please do not go there. And so it's not about the, is it good to have a boundary or not, but how do we set it up and what do we call it? I yeah, think. right, right. I also think as I was just doing, we were doing those two examples, I actually liked yours better than mine because mine sounded a little fakey, fake nice. And yours was just like, hey, I don't like that. Don't do it. Which just felt so authentic to who you are that like, if I want to be your friend, then I have to expect that, you know, you're going to be authentic with me like that. And I, I actually kind of liked your version better. Oh, thank you. Wow. I would, <laughs> I did not expect this to turn out this way. So, and many people, and this is a very important question was for me. Many people find, for example, my way very, or maybe a little bit aggressive or very like, like, like you said, like I put a wall and say, no, there's, there's not, you're not going to cross this. And they find, well, well, you're like this, it's a public profile. You could be nicer. And I'm saying, well, I don't want to be nicer. I'm not here to be nice. I'm here yeah. to be in territory. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's why we like each other so much because I love that about you. You are very authentic. You are not ashamed of who you are. You are you. And if someone wants to be close to you, like they know what they're going to get, right? You're not going to blindside someone by pretending to be nice and then changing. Like you're really upfront. And so you are drawing to you the people who like that, like me. Like I like someone who's really straightforward and clear with me. So and you're kind of convincing me on the boundaries thing. I really, <laughs> I like the way you're setting your boundaries. It works for me. And it makes me feel comfortable being close to you because I know that if I did something that you didn't like, you would just tell me really quickly. It wouldn't be a big deal. You'd just be like, I don't like that. Straight away. So, you know, I do feel, to be honest, because it took me some time to to learn how to do it, that that it's easier and it's respectful to that person. But many people feel offended. And I have to say that sometimes I'm being very also very sensitive. Somebody says not to me. So I wanted to ask you, how would you deal with the, with the patients like me, who even so I'm very direct. I can be sometimes oversensitive if I ask somebody and somebody tells me no. So are you saying if someone treated you the way you're treating other people, you wouldn't like it? No, usually I depends on the subject. <laughs> it absolutely depends on the subject. So if, for example, I'm asking somebody to, uh, I don't know, to make an interview and I, I don't know, Gabriel Mata and he would say to me, I would not take it personally. I understand he's like, you know, he has hands of Julius a day who's asking him. I would just ask him many, many times and hope that he would agree. <laughs> I'm going to wear him down until he says yes. Yes, Miss Gabriel, I really love you. But if I ask my best thing, you should say yes, because Julia's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to send him this click. And, um, but if I ask my friend, for example, and uh, uh, how was on your uh, therapy last time? Because I know you're getting through an important process. And said, I don't want to talk to you about this. It's my personal thing. I would feel a little bit offended. I would feel like, well, if we're friends, I would like to do it a little bit nicer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're saying if it's it's if the relationship is between two people who are friends, you would want it a little bit nicer than just like, no, that's my answer. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so the five we talk about the five secrets of effective communication by David Burns, right? And they have there are five of them. There are five different ways that you can. Um, enhance your communication so that it's a little gentler, a little little more sensitive, a little bit more attuned to the other person. So um, let's see, How should, do you want me to be the friend who says no? Yeah. So, Tell so you, me. You, yeah. yeah, so ask me one more time. I'll, I'll be your friend. Heather, I know that you're getting through this new type of therapy, so I'm curious how was the last session? How did it go? Did you discover anything new? How was this? I see. And are you... Do you want me to talk about this just with you or, or on the podcast? No, no, just with me as a friend. <laughs> I see, I see. Okay. No, oh, right. So then I say, I say, Julia, you know, I just love that you asked that of me because it tells me that you care 
about me and you're interested in my therapy. And part of me kind of wants to tell you. And at the same time, I'm feeling kind of private and personal about it. And I'm not really ready to talk about it outside of the therapy. And I'm imagining that I'm disappointing you because, you know, we're close friends and that you probably expect me to share this with you. And at the same time, I realize I'm not ready. Um, and so even though it disappoints you, I'm going to say no. And I'm wondering what you're feeling right now. You see, and I'm feeling nothing in a good way, nothing. So I guess maybe what we should today get with you, like dive in is this art of saying no, because I think maybe the difference is that I think sometimes it's no point of beating around the bush and you can say, I don't like it. Please do not do it. And, mm -hmm. and it's like to the, to the point with somebody who we're not that close to <laughs> when it's somebody important, it's important. What would you say? How, how do you say no? So it does not feel like, you know, slapping right. in the face. Right. Well, I think the key thing is that when we're, um, we're saying no to the request, but we're not criticizing the person for having asked. And I actually specifically, I use stroking. I specifically stroked that you asked me. So I really tried to reduce the chance that you would feel judged or rejected for having made the request. I, at the same time, I, I, I explained that I wasn't going to honor the request, but I really wanted to make it clear that I didn't, I wasn't upset that you asked me because I felt empowered to say no. It's okay to ask me. And if I don't like it, I'll just tell you no. But I'm going to reassure you that you're important to me and that it's okay that you asked. So can you put it in a some steps so people understand what is actually the steps that they need to include to make no kind and, um, and, 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 and loving and that it relationship now. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe we should review the five secrets of effective communication. Yeah. So the first one is the disarming technique, which we're actually not using so much here. So I'm going to leave that one aside for a moment. The next is, um, empathy, which we can divide into thought empathy, like what we think the person's thinking and the very important feeling empathy, what we think the other person is feeling. And then we have I feel statements where we share our own feelings. And then we have inquiry where we ask the other person if we're getting them right, we ask them to share more. And then stroking is where we tell the person kind of what we love and admire about them. We, we explicitly show them that we value them. So I think the art of saying no is to include a lot of stroking because we are doing something inherently disappointing right? We're, we're not giving something someone they want, and it's really easy for them to take that personally. So I want to come in there and I want to remind them that I care about them, that I love them, and that I admire them, that I'm not judging them. And I'm, I might not even be judging them for what they're asking me. So a lot of stroking to kind of soothe and settle them. And then I, used, I brought in feelings. I, tr I named my own feelings of sadness that I was disappointing you. And I named your feelings that you were probably feeling disappointed. I could have even added, I said, maybe you're even feeling kind of angry at me. And that would make sense. If is I, it, if I, sorry, is it this step to name somebody else's feelings? Is it necessary? Because some people feel a little bit um, not comfortable with this. And there are some recommendations, for example, psychologists for the kids, because it says when kids is upset, you need to validate his feelings and name feelings. And some psychologists already now say, well, I need to be careful with this because you may misjudge it what the what the baby feels and you can like input in him what he feels. Maybe he's not angry, he's just like scared or maybe he's just like making this face. So is it necessary part of this tell how I feel and how somebody else feels? Yeah, that that is such a great clarification. So I think nobody likes being told how they're feeling. Um, but I think what is well received is that I care about how you're feeling. And I'm going to make an educated guess. I'm going to, I think what you're feeling is, or I could imagine you might be feeling, I'm giving you permission to have whatever feeling. And then I'm going to follow up with inquiry and I'm going to say, did I get that right? And so with an, you know, with, we might vary it a little bit for a child, but for an adult, like, I'm wondering if you're feeling disappointed or angry, that would make total sense. Is that right? How are you feeling? And then I'm letting them correct me. I'm not pretending that I know, but I'm, I'm making a guess and I'm showing that I care about their feelings. Okay. So now let's imagine that we do not have much time. 
and you need to say it really shortly because like you're already, I don't know, tired or like you want to go to sleep or you're late for another therapy or meeting. So you don't want to have all this, you know, stroking. So I'm asking again, Heather, like, tell me, love, how was your uh, last therapy? Because I know it was very important to you. Can you tell it to me in one sentence? <laughs> um, Julia, I love you and I'm just too tired to get into it now. Let's talk about it later. Thank you. Of course, with you, I feel like even now from you, it it sounds like let's go to Disneyland. And <laughs> um, now I want to talk about um, now to, that is very difficult for us to say. Uh -huh. So when when we become a parent, we become very sensitive uh, about what people are telling us very often, and. We know it from research that people who commenting very often about us is the closest people, no, but also people who we don't even know when they think they have right to do it. So with this, we have two different feelings that, that evoke in us. When it's somebody close, we, all, we, we, we very often feel like uncomfortable telling them because we love them or mm -hmm. we already feel anger and like, uh -huh. But strange people, we sometimes either feel shocked, like it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that somebody could like say this or do this, or we feel um, numb or shamed. So can you tell us how to work with this kind of feelings? And is it like one way with all feelings or different feelings need different approach how to, how, how to deal with them before saying no? Um. Right, were you talking about the feelings of yourself as the as yeah. host? Well, I know you like to work on examples, so I did prepare. So <laughs> let's imagine your um, mother is telling, uh, let's imagine my mother is telling me that uh, she would like me to spend Christmas with her all the time. She said, uh -huh. you're my only daughter, like good daughter spent Christmas with me. And I don't like that you're always traveling somewhere. Why go, do you go to Mexico? It's my grandson. I have right to see him on Christmas. And I want you to come on Christmas, period. If you're not going to come on Christmas, you're not my daughter anymore. So <laughs> now you are Julia. Go okay. ahead. Who do you All say? Right. So the first thing I'm going to do as Julia is I'm going to tell myself, I do love my mom, but she can be kind of emotionally manipulative. And she's using guilt and threats to try to get me to do what she wants. So the first, that, that is my first response. This is all inside. And I, and I think I would also think I'm really angry. <laughs> I don't like being treated that way. And I'm pretty angry at my mom. And then I would make a decision for myself, right? I, you know, I, I would have to ask, you know, do I want to be close to my mom? Maybe I do. Maybe even though she can be such a pain in the butt and be emotionally manipulative, I love her and I accept her as she is. And so I'm really going to do some work here to try to be close to her, even though she's not treating me so well. Or I might decide, you know what? This is not the kind of relationship I want to be in. And I'm going to pull back and I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm actually not going to engage as much. So I think how I'd respond would really depend upon how I decide. And I think it's really important that I feel free to decide either way, that there's not a right answer or a wrong answer, that... I can be a loving daughter and have a more distant relationship with my mom, or I can be a loving daughter and have a closer relationship with either way would be, I'm not going to judge myself. So having said that, which direction would That's you like? Right. It's very important. So well, let's play with that. Like, you know, you realize your mother is very manipulative and, um, and, and, and emotional terrorist. And, but you still like, you understand that this is what she is. She's not going to change. You still uh -huh. love her. You want your child to have good relationships. So you still want to tell her, you know, no. Okay. Okay. Kind of way. In Heather, not in, in Julia's way. Okay. Right. Okay. So, and let me just say at the outset, I'm not trying to, my goal is not, is not that she shouldn't be angry. My goal is I'm going to be giving her permission to be angry at me. And that is my loving gesture towards her. So um, I'm going to care about her feelings, but I'm not going to try to control her feelings. And so I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> I'm not going to give in to the manipulation, um, but I am going to be hopefully kind and respectful. So here's, here's my um, response in that case. Like, 
mom, you are so important to me. And I understand that you would like me to spend every Christmas with you and that you see that as your right. And part of me would love to be able to spend as every Christmas with you. And I'm also going to say no, because um, I have other places I want to spend Christmas and I will look for other ways to spend time with you, but it's not going to be every Christmas. And I'm guessing that you feel hurt and disappointed and probably pretty mad at me right now. Is that right? Is that how you're feeling? It's absolutely right. And now I wanted to help how people feel sometimes when they see that the other person is unhappy and angry. Because you said something very important. You give this person permission to be angry. But very often people feel overwhelmed with these emotions. And they also, they don't know what to do. They, it's either anger evoke even more anger. So they want to attack and say, Stop telling me what to do. I'm already an adult person. I have my own family. So it's like very angry like reaction does not going to help in close relationship. Or they start being over apologetic and backing off. Say, I'm sorry. I really did not mean we all tried. Maybe I'll cancel my ticket. So what is the mistakes that we make because we cannot handle emotions? What do we do with that to make it right? You just outlined it perfectly. And uh, you're probably familiar with Donald Winnicott. Um, who talks about, you know, the toddler will tantrum, right? And in a way, the mother here is tantruming. And then the two errors are either to retaliate, right? To try to come back and punish and fight fire with fire or to withdraw, right? Which could either be stonewalling or else being nice, right? Kind of withdrawing into niceness. So what I was trying to model is I'm right here with you and I'm willing to have this conversation with you even while you're angry at me and I'm not backing away from that anger. I'll be with you here, even though you're angry at me. I might set some limits if she gets verbally abusive. I probably wouldn't sit there and allow her to verbally abuse me, but I'm not going to withdraw from her just because she's angry. She can be angry and I will still be loving towards her. So how does it in life looks like when somebody's well, angry? Respond as the mom, right? I set that limit and said, no, I'd imagine she's going to be angry, right? Yeah. So, so how like I, I brought you up that like so you're supposed to be a loving daughter how could you do this to me i changed your diapers i wiped your butt when you were like little baby and now you don't want to even spend christmas with me you know what your mom you're so right you did you brought me up and you changed my diapers and you took such good care of me and um it makes total sense that you're really angry at me right now because i'm saying no to something that's really important to you and i feel sad that i'm not able to to be the daughter that you want me to be is so there more Tell me more about what's making you upset. So what are you actually doing in psychology? I don't know how to English translate it, but you're doing all this, like you, you're rewinding the same answer all over, like all over, all, all the time. So no matter I what was... you're saying, you're just re repeating the same thing. I understand that you're upset. I love you very much. I still not going to do it. And I'm, 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 I'm happy that you worried about me so much and want to spend time with me, but I'm still not going to do it. So you're just re responding all the time, the same thing, right? Okay. Yeah, right. I'm, and I, so I was using disarming technique, right? Agreeing, finding something to agree with. I was using thought empathy by saying back how I think she's thinking. I use feeling empathy to name her feelings and validate that it's okay to feel that. I used more inquiry. I used I feel statements to convey my own regret and sadness. Um, and I would keep doing that, right? And what, what tends to happen is the air sort of starts to come out of the balloon <laughs> because at some point she doesn't have a lot more to say. And then, then the ball is in her court, right? I'm presenting myself authentically and I hope in a caring way and offering an invitation for a kind of relationship that I'm willing to be in. And she can accept that or... Or maybe not. Might she might need to go off in a huff for a while. But I I've done it in a way that's respectful and leaves the door open for her to come back without shame. Like I'm not shaming her for having had this tantrum. This is very nice what he said because this like first of all what Heather said for me it's like you need to be authentic no matter what. So whatever answer it has to be your own truth. So we don't fake it. We don't put any mask. It has to be the truth. And then it's we allow somebody else to have his truth just his emotion and his feelings and like, or her feelings in this case. And whatever this person feels, if it's mother, mother-in-law, your own child, we just let it, let it happen. And, um, and uh, uh, do not, not trying to influence it anyway. Uh -huh. And 
what about situation when we feel so much anger already that we don't act like we don't want to do this it's not already it's not not be authentic with us to say oh i love you but wow well, <laughs> you're ready to like my god i just like i have so enough of this so many times we talk about this what's yeah. wrong with this woman that i'm telling her over and over again that i'm like 55 i have right to spend my uh, time with my family and she's still treating me like a baby so you have this thing that you you almost you can control it what do you yeah do? yeah so then I would pause, I, you know, I would, I would take some time to, to give myself the love that I'm meeting until I feel okay. Like if I don't feel nourished and taken care of and self-accepting, there's no way I'm going to have that energy to give her. I mean, it's just like with parenting, right? Like you have to put your oxygen mask on first. So I would say, I would say, you know, I'm going to have to think about your requests and I'll get back to you. And then I would go and I would rage and throw pillows across the room and vent and complain about her for a while and and then if if I really want to be close then I would find a way to you know be kind to myself for that reaction and then remind myself okay why do I care oh yeah she's my mom and she acts like this sometimes but I would only do that when I'm ready that's why it has to feel like a free choice like you don't have to be close to someone who's behaving like that there you know, many parents on psycho mama ask me that they do have problems with their parents or parents-in-law especially when they're trying to influence their parenting style. And they say that they're afraid to say no because that will cut off their relationship with the grandparents or they're a little bit dependent on them because they live with them or because they're taking care of the grandchildren. And when they have some issues that are very important for them, for example, um, the grandchildren uh, saying to the baby boy, oh, you're not a girl to cry, how could, like, how dare you cry or to baby girl it's like don't be such a like princess like whatever like unkind messages they give to their children and they would not want it or just push them to eat when they have this policy wow. push our children to eat so they feel they're acting opposite of what they requested uh -huh. but in the same time they said i said it once twice and they tell me, oh, I'm, I'm oversensitive. If I, if you live in my house, I have right to do what I want with my grandchildren. How do we do in a situation where we're like on the edge, Heather? Like, how yeah. do we do? We still protect ourselves, our child, our relationship with the people we're dependent on. This is a this is a very thorny. I don't have an easy response to this, right? Because if you are dependent upon someone who you don't like the way they're treating your child, you know, you're, it's tough because I would normally say, well, be protective, right? Protect your child from someone who's not treating them kindly, but you might be dependent on this person. So that's a very, that's a very tricky situation. I don't think there's a straightforward, simple answer. I, I guess, you know, what you were saying is like, if you ask someone to be different and they don't, <laughs> it sounds like that doesn't work. So continuing to ask probably will just make that grandparent feel more pressured and then you know, when people feel guilty, they will often do more of the same thing to prove to you and the world that it wasn't so bad. So triggering guilt can sometimes, you get actually worse behavior as a result. Because then now they want to fight with you about it. And, and so they'll do it more just to show that they can do it and it's not such a bad thing. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I would say protect your child as much as you can. Right. As, I mean, if, if there are practical reasons why you can't take your child out of that situation, then you have to live with that. So do your best to protect your child and then try to be very kind and clear with this with this grandparent. Why? You know, the more you can lower their defensiveness, right, the more kindness you can give them, that's they're less likely to behave badly. But it's How not ideal. <laughs> I don't have an ideal solution. No, because it's not people very often expect from psychology like zero one and uh, solutions and it's complicated whereas humans have complicated. So of course there's I did not expect it from your magic bullet here. But how do you how do you work with this what you said lower? Would I, yeah, how would I speak to that that grandparent, for example? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this is like, you know, twenty percent likely to work and 80% likely to fail. <laughs> but I think that anything else is 100% likely to fail. So, <laughs> um, but I think I would say something like, you know, mom, like, you know, I know that we both love, you know, little Jose, like, you know, he's 
incredible kid. And, you know, sometimes when you pressure him to eat, um, I notice feeling a little anxious and I, I wonder, I wonder how you see it. How do you, how does that go for you? You know, when you're trying to feed him, I, even that I think might set off resistance. So how I might say, like, if this is a really sensitive, brittle grandmother <laughs> who's sensitive to criticism, I, I, I think, mom, how's the feeding going with little Jose? What's it like for you when you're feeding him? Can I support you? <laughs> Well, what if you angry? That would be very difficult to say, and it probably would not be authentic. But yeah. I completely understand where you're going. So my uh, my question here is, you know, do we all because people sometimes have this fear of saying no because they're afraid of not being nice. Let me try another version. Let me try another version because you're right. My, that last one was fake, and and it was fake and nicey nice. How about this? Mom, you know what? I realize I'm kind of mad at you. And, and I mean, can I? Are you open to hearing more about why? No, because I'm always right. <laughs> I don't know where you go with that, right? <laughs> you know, but I, I, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, and mom, I feel kind of mad when you tell me that too. I'm doing with this that I want us to say also and to hear everyone uh, this from us that not everyone relationship is possible and sometimes no matter how much we try and no matter how much we try to be kind some things is not gonna work right right you know, some people no matter how good we are with our techniques nine yeah. loving people we are how much we meditate it's just not gonna work and it's not yeah. our that's a hundred percent. I also think what you're getting at here though, that, that's important is that sometimes the authentic thing is to let someone know that we're angry. Mm. And often the way that we let someone know that we're angry is we yell at them. <laughs> and so an alternative is just to name your own anger. Like I am really angry at you right now is different than saying you're such a jerk. How could you do that? <laughs> yes. It's, it's the difference is feelings. I or you. And yeah. You know, how, like, it's, how would you teach also people to say, especially parents, to say no to the, like, like somebody's all the time nagging or, like, telling us something. For example, and it's also happened, I don't know why I'm all the time coming with this um, mother-in-law or, or mother examples, but it's the biggest complaint in Psycho Mamas about this. Well, For example, when you have one child and somebody in your mother-in-law is saying, well, I had three then house was always clean and and dinner was always served and every day fresh and I did not have all of this depression and anxiety and I was like always dressed up nicely and my hair was done look at how you look look at this mess and like all this this making up stuff the modern one with the depression what is this I did so well you have just one child and you cannot even deal with this and and how do we so, say honestly, is that a person who you think is a candidate somebody who would say that stuff are they a candidate for like i mean that person is just being mean right and arrogant well this is like half of poland <laughs> you know they, they like they, they have personality like this and the ukrainians i'm ukrainian i even worse we are so direct that sometimes like even my yeah. uncle he was like oh my god i know you love me but like, that's not nice. And well, that, that I think is a beautiful thing to say. Like, ouch, I know you love me, but man, you're hurting my feelings. And he's the end, they would say, you're so oversensitive. You're right. I, I am sensitive. I don't like that. I, I like that. I care about you and I want to be. But but if you want me to feel close to you, you're going to have to treat me with a little more tenderness. So that's okay to admit that oversensitive. Yeah, I'm sensitive. You know, I tell you a story that I really love and maybe other people is going to inspire you too. I have a friend, Natalia, when I was studying psychology and she was a very inspirational person for me. Not many people are so, like, so self-confident, but, you know, like, naturally. Not like, uh -huh. you know, you pretend, fake it till you make it. She was naturally <laughs> self-confident, beautiful woman. And you know how sometimes you, say, you, you call somebody and say, oh, you're such a princess. 
And when somebody was telling her, it's like, oh, Natalia is such a princess. It's like, I know. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it really disarm. I mean, it defangs the other person because they're using it as an accusation. But if, if you're okay, if you're willing to say, yeah, I am sensitive. They kind of don't have a stick to hit you with anymore. So in this case, the best, for, in your opinion, would be this disarming techniques. Like, yeah, it makes me angry when you're saying this. It makes me feel sad. And I would like you not to talk to me like this. If right. that would be like loving and kind response to somebody constantly telling us something to do or not. Yeah, I mean, I might add a little stroking in there, just like you're important to me and I know I'm important to you. <laughs> and even though I love you, I'm, I'm really angry right now because you're hurting my feelings. Can you give us a little bit also more um, advice how to work with yourself to be able to say no when you're afraid to say no? When it's also your boss, for example, when he wants you, um, I don't know, to do presentation that you don't feel like doing or because you don't believe in it, or he wants you to stay longer, even so we agreed that you have to leave. Or like whatever reasons, like you, you want to say no, but you're afraid. Or well, you there's two, I think that we can be afraid because of our own feelings, because it's going to feel uncomfortable or, you know, we're going to feel guilty or, you know, and we can be afraid because something bad will actually happen if we say no. <laughs> so I would say, you know, how do you, whether you say no to your boss kind of depends upon the power differential. Like, are you going to get fired for this? Are you going to get demoted? Like, we have to live in the real world. Maybe you do need to do what your boss says. I, I don't know what that situation right. is. Right, this is so nice what Hannah said, because, you know, we live now in a world when we are so teaching everybody assertiveness and take care of yourself that we some, sometimes forget that we do live in a real world. Because sometimes, from my perspective as a, as a, somebody who running the company, so many people crossing like this line that I'm the boss. So if you don't like it, like you don't have to work here. In the end of the day, this is the deal. Like, and some people feel like that because now we are so like analyzing whole world that we always can in be like assertive and um, and say no even when we should say yes. <laughs> right, right, yes. So there is sometimes situation when we actually should say yes even so we don't feel like doing it. Yes. I, and I, I would say that's sort of in a self-preservation way, right? Like you have to think about what's, you know, wh yeah, what is the real situation? That's why I want you to listen to real psychologists, not pop psychologists who are just telling you to be assertive and like heal your cancer or any other problems with affirmation. Yeah. So sometimes it's self-preserving. So you can like you say you have to say yes or like you have to take consequences but sometimes it's like a small thing when you would like to set some boundaries with him and say yeah. like no it's like but you're afraid you're not you right. know you're gonna get fired nothing bad happened you just feel like oh my god it's my boss and he's not gonna like me mm -hmm. right right so it might be it's not a question of losing your job or not getting promoted it's that you've gotten to a pattern of people pleasing and it makes you feel uncomfortable if you ever let somebody down and so, you know, I would say there's a combination of, you know, you can do some inner work to look at the, what are you telling yourself? And then you can practice, practice disappointing people until you get more comfortable with it. Disappoint a few people and you can see that the world doesn't end, that most people can tolerate you being imperfect, but you have to actually bravely step into that space and, and experiment with it in order to find out kind of where, where your line should be, right? Where's the line that works best for you? How do you start tolerating your uh, your being perfect because it's all start with yourself isn't it true yes right so right you do to accept yourself with being imperfect not being liked and being rejected sometimes yeah so um you know in team cbt we always like to start by thinking of getting very paradoxical so i might first kind of you know if the belief is like i must have everyone like me or else i'm not going to be okay then I might start by saying, well, what are all the good reasons to believe that? And really, you know, do, is that a belief I want to change? Maybe I don't. Maybe I want to continue being a people pleaser because there are a lot of advantages to pleasing other people, right? They give you positive feedback and you get to feel liked. So I would be very clear, have someone be very clear with themselves. Do they actually want to change this belief? 
Now, there there might be some disadvantages to be- disadvantages of being people pleaser, Heather. Well, you tell me what why 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 not just please everybody all the time? I mean, it's great being a people pleaser. Everyone likes you, right? I hate that. Like, not this person to talk to. Like I, uh, authenticity is my religion. I don't believe that anything more is more important in relation to authenticity. So I'm not always say I'm not here to please you. I'm not here. Somebody's telling me, oh, your profile is not fun. It's always about psychologists. Like, well, I'm a psychologist. I'm not a clown. It's like I'm not here to entertain you. <laughs> it's fine. So I, I don't believe in people pleasing. I just believe in being real. And I believe if someone does not like you, that's fine. This is like a great test. So that's why I'm wondering what are actually you have your patients who are probably some of them people pleasers. What advantages of people pleasing? What do they have to say goodbye to if they decided to work? Oh. Right. So, um, so, so first of all, I would say, well, yeah, that... If I'm going to work with someone around people pleasing, I want to hear them argue with me why they want to get over this so badly, right? They're going to have to convince me that they want to give up this belief before I'd be willing to help them with it. Um, but what, because I think the advantages are, right? You have less conflict. You can avoid conflict. You know, you can, you're probably going to get more people to like you. I mean, it might be the expense of authenticity, but you know, you can fake it and you can manipulate people by, with your niceness. <laughs> Right. So you can avoid the fear of being authentic. Right. It's scary to be authentic. Some people are not going to like you. Yes. Oh, I, I confirmed that. But definitely people are not going to like you. So, so people pleasing is pleasant. You're right. It's very often, you know, you're just, you're like a little bit like vanilla ice cream. Everybody likes you and, um, and you're easy to be with. You're invited on all parties. You're not controversial. So you just like, somebody who people like to hang out with. So when you decided to work on it, how do you start working on it? So you make a decision, I don't want to do this anymore. Right, exactly. Okay, so if someone is really determined, even though it has all these advantages, yeah. that's not how it works. Okay, now, now I'll talk to you about methods. And, um, you know, you can, they're cognitive methods, right? You can um, sort of, you know, think about the, the you know, how are you talking to yourself, like try to come up with more nuanced way of thinking. But I really like the behavioral methods because I think the the real way you change a belief like this is you give yourself new experiences to learn something new. Because a belief that I must please everyone for the world to be okay or for me to be okay, the problem with a belief like that is it prevents you from getting new information that would disprove the belief. Because you never test it, right? You never let yourself, you know, find out what happens when you stop trying to please people. So. I would say if you want to disprove that belief, you're going to have to try some new behaviors. You're going to have to experiment with letting people down and seeing what happens. And you probably need to do it a bunch of times because, you know, it takes, it's actually, as we're, this whole podcast is about, it's actually a skill about how to gracefully say no, right? That will take some practice. And it's, it's also a skill to just learn to sit with and ride out the anxiety feelings that come up because it's going to feel uncomfortable. But you'll be bravely exploring new territory, and then you can find out where you want to be. So the only way out of hell is through hell. <laughs> yes. Yes, right? You can sit in the bottom of hell and, and go like this, right? Or you can open to be where, see where you are and then pick a path forward. I think it's very important what Heather said, because sometimes people expect when you have some... Uh, psychology advice that everything is going to be nice and easy and therapy is also going to be pleasant and going to feel better but it's simply not true in therapy very often you leave and you feel worse and it's it's, it's working um and something moved in you and when you change also in your life and you start being not people pleaser and you learn how to say no there is it happens that some relationship ends and um something some some systems collapse when this yeah. is of this for your, for your change and you need to be ready for this right yeah I, I i think that's very very important and that one thing i would add as you said you leave therapy and you feel worse and i would i would say i think you you can leave therapy and you feel more more yes i think it's right? so, probably yeah. feel less numb and you feel more of the actual real pain in your life yeah but that but yeah. feeling that real pain is what lets you then make the choices to work towards building the life that you want. 
Whereas if you numb yourself, whether that's with alcohol or video games or your phone or people pleasing, you're kind of cut off from really being showing up, you know, present for real, authentic in your actual life. I think that happens, Heather, because we have this notion in our culture that we have better and worse feelings. So we know that it's better to feel happy when it's um, worse to feel unhappy. And I remember I had a story of my friend who um, gave birth to the uh, to the baby that lived just a um, couple of days and it, and it died after serious operation. Oh, wow. And she was Buddhist and she was practicing a lot and meditating a lot. And she um, and I said, like, how do you get through this? Because I, it's unimaginable pain and and like, how do you do this? And she said, well. I choose to treat my unhappiness, my grief as a gift because I don't see any reason why joy of being pregnant and holding him for a couple of days was more valuable than the fact what I feel now, that my happiness is as valuable as my unhappiness. And mm -hmm. I always cherish them and I, and I learn from them because one of the things that I can learn is how other people feel so I can understand better. And I think it's important that people stop judging also these negative feelings as something they do not want and they just like want to like throw them in the trash. It, for some reason, they are in, our, in us and they're part of us. Uh, that is so gorgeous that what you said, my happiness is, is just as valuable. My unhappiness is just as valuable as my happiness. That is a very whole... It's treating yourself as a whole, a whole being. It's really beautiful. In Matcha Talks, in my first book, I wrote that uh, we should treat human beings as a DHL package. When DHL comes, you cannot say, oh, I want this part and this part, but this, no. <laughs> like, it just comes to you, though. Take it or leave it. But you cannot say a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And this is how I feel sometimes we treat people. It's like, I like him, but. And I also want to point out that what, all examples of Hada, I'm not sure if you noticed this. She never says but. He always says and I love you and I'm not gonna come to Christmas. Uh, I value your opinion and I'm not gonna agree to this. Why is it so important to say and not but? Yeah, because when you say but, what you're saying is I didn't really mean all that stuff I said before. I was just trying to make nice so that I could tell you this hard thing. And there's no reason to say but. It is and. The two things don't have to contradict each other. I can love you and say no to visiting you on Christmas. That's totally compatible. There's no reason to say but. But it's kind of a defensive thing that we do. How do we teach uh, gracefully to say no our children? Because they're very good. They're born with the ability to say no. That's obvious. Like my son is now three and a half. So his favorite word is no. And it's funny because we speak with them four languages. One of them is Russian. And when he really does not want some something, say what <laughs> language? So we know that this is like no way we can convince him. So he's very clear about this. Yeah. And and uh, Fergus, my husband, is always trying to say no, thank you. He can get it. So how do you teach our child when they're already growing up enough to say no gracefully? Do you have any tips? Any anything? Well, I you do what Fergus is doing. You keep modeling it. You keep modeling it. They're too young to do it gracefully. Keep, keep, treat, treat them the way you want them to treat others. And then when they're old enough, you can teach them the five secrets, but be careful because once they learn the five secrets, they will wrap you around their finger. This is, I taught my, my teenage son, the five secrets and it's terrible. He's really good at them. <laughs> and I try to get mad at him and he just disarms me and he strokes me and he, he, he names my feelings and it's very hard for me to stay angry at him. I tell you my secret how like how I deal with this because Frank is sometimes also telling me like he's very good already with discussions like I hate discussing psychologists like it's a nightmare and then he's getting really really good in this and then I say something that my professor of uh, social psychology once told me he, we had a class and he told us some research that shows that papers that use more colors are being um, judged by professors as better papers so obviously next time we're like everybody's like colors here colors there and he said like are you serious don't you use tricks that i taught you so <laughs> for me it's like when he's trying to do this it's like 
Well, that is a trick that I know. Do not try to use it with me. No. So I'm <laughs> no. Yeah, and the other problem is that then when you try to do the five secrets to him, he'll be like, yeah, nice five secrets, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he also, so that's why it's very difficult to be in a family of psychologists. It is. It is. Um, so five uh, secrets are very, um, very practical. So how would you summarize what is the most important in remembering how to say no and how to deal with your, with your angerness or like, like very serious emotions that you have just before saying no, because sometimes we just want to scream no. We don't want to even right. say no, thank you. We want to like, like, yet. Right. And that comes with your words. I think what we open with is sometimes you just say yet. Sometimes that's actually skillful. So we'll, we'll keep that on the table as part of the repertoire. But if you don't want to just scream at someone, step one, pause, right? Pause, take a time out, go be kind to yourself, validate your own feelings right? Make space for why you're angry and just, and then decide if you want to try to go back into the fray and, and have a closer relationship with this person. And then if you do, then you can go in and do the five secrets, right? You can disarm, you can use thought empathy, feeling empathy, inquiry, I feel statements, stroking. And, and the way to get good at that is you have to just practice, 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 because it takes a lot of practice, especially when you're already kind of upset. Do you think you should start practicing with the um with things that are most annoying with you or the most simple one because oh yeah start small start with the little stuff so actually to annoy to you yeah and what we also say is um start one secret at a time so you can have like you know feeling empathy week <laughs> you just go around and you just imagine what people are feeling and say oh i wonder if you're feeling sad oh, ah, I wonder so you like factory psychology factory today yeah, like empathy today right. it's only empathy <laughs> what are we gonna do? It's like, did you see the Karate Kid? Do you remember the original Karate Kid movie? Oh, yeah, the wax on, wax off. What? Well, that's such a great movie. Oh my god, I love it. But that's why my son started going on a martial art, inspired by this movie. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, in case you don't know what we're talking about, definitely see the Karate Kid movie and Cobra Kai. We do recommend you this. Very uh, like great psychology there and a great way of making your kids to clean your car. <laughs> My wife is going to do it. Heather, I'm so grateful to you that you share with us your wisdom and you share how to say no. I believe that this is very important for our mental health because as all research proves that one of the most important thing to feel happy is to, to have a purpose in life and to be, to live your own truth, to be authentic, with your own values, with your purposes, with your goals in life. And in order to do this, you need to know when to say no, when you want to say no and know how to do it. So I think it's extremely uh, important competence for the parents because like uh, Heather said, the most important is modeling. So we need to know how to do it ourselves. We need to talk to other people like this. We need to talk to our kids and then that we'll be able to respond back as gracefully as we are. <laughs> Thank you so much, Heather. I never hear from you now yet, and I hope I'm never going to hear it. <laughs> Recently or not. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun. Thank you so much. I absolutely love talking to you.